This is the Oanda Podcast. Well, this is the Oanda Market Insights Podcast, talking to Oanda senior market analysts across the world. And today it is Jeff Halley in Singapore. Good morning from London, Jeff. Hey, good morning. Uh, and thanks for having me once again. It's our pleasure. Let's first get the latest from the markets in your part of the world. How have they started the week? Bit of a mixed start, to be honest. It's a little cautious. Uh, New York finished pretty much unchanged on Friday, which didn't really give much direction for Asia today. Fairly slow news weekend. They've been cautiously ex-China. Asia's been cautiously uh, positive. So we've seen Singapore up 0.6%. Taiwan's up 1.5%. Australian markets are slightly in the green and we're seeing markets such as Jakarta and Malaysia also uh, moving into the green. Uh, Most of the action's been uh, in uh, China. Uh, The announcement by the government over the weekend that that, uh, digital banks, uh, they impose limits on mainstream banks co-lending with digital banks was a big blow for Ant Financial. And what we've seen, uh, big tech stocks in China and also banks in China moving lower today under that new regulatory uh, regime. So uh, the CSI 300 is down 2.5% and Shanghai is down 1% at the moment. Talking of banks, there's an interesting story in the Financial Times this morning, Jeff. HSBC accelerating its pivot to Asia with a number of top execs moving from London to Hong Kong. And it looks like they're scrapping USA retail as well. Yeah, HSBC, uh, their global uh, strategy seems to be quietly in in retreat. I do believe the French arm has been on the market for a while, as well as uh, their retreat from uh, the USA uh, retail side of uh, business and, 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 and countries elsewhere. Look, HSBC is a very much an Asian bank. It's it's rooter in Asia, much like Standard Chartered, but it's based in the UK and it does a lot of business in America. It doesn't really matter what a company such as HSBC does in the present global political environment, they're going to upset someone important no matter what decision they make, whether it be the Americans one day or the Chinese the next. I think that Asia is where most of their profits are coming from. It's where they perceive most of their future growth occurring. And what we're seeing is a pivot back to Asia. Of course, the big decision will be, and they've made this a couple of times or pondered it a couple of times over the last decade, as to whether to move the global headquarters, lock, stock and barrel, back to uh, Hong Kong. I, I can't really answer whether that might be happening or not, but the fact that they're sending such senior people out to be based in Hong Kong does uh, make me feel that perhaps this decision will move uh, back uh, to the forefront at some stage. I think it's just a case of HSBC following the money and where its growth is going to be in the future. And that's clearly not in the UK. Yeah, and that makes unhappy reading for London's financial services community because, of course, there's already much talk of people leaving London and going to European cities. Uh, We talked about it last week, Amsterdam and a number of other uh, cities right across Europe. And now Asia, which maybe isn't a surprise, but with all that talk post-Brexit of, well, we can do business outside of the EU, this is not good news. 
No, it's not. And I think part of the biggest surprise I found in the actual Brexit uh, agreement uh, uh, between Europe and the UK was that the city or the financial sector wasn't really covered. The rest of the economy was, but not the financial sector, which actually, despite you know what people's opinions may be of banks and financial sectors, it's still something like over 20% of uh, the UK's uh, or England's uh, gross domestic product. It's a very important part of the economy. And I think the government, I mean, the only conclusion is they've really dropped the ball here by allowing this Brexit agreement to pass in this form to get it over the line without dealing with the Europeans over the future of the London financial sector. And uh, I have a disquieting feeling that uh, we're going to see more of this as we go forward. Yeah, it is quite extraordinary. You say they, they dropped the ball. Maybe they just thought, well, we just got to sign the trade agreement first and worry about everything else later, which seems absolutely crazy. But there you go. Staying with the government, we've got a big announcement from the UK PM Boris Johnson tonight, 7 o'clock UK time, set to announce a so-called blueprint a roadmap to ease the lockdown. Of course, markets and businesses will be hoping for a reopening sooner rather than later. The British newspapers focusing on what they're calling the road to freedom. Uh, and I certainly expect a huge TV audience for this announcement this evening as people look to the PM for that reassurance that we are on the way to some sort of normality. And we're seeing numbers falling quite significantly on both sides of the Atlantic in the United States as well. So we're certainly getting to where we want to be, but it's just a question of how long it's going to take. I think the important thing to realise here is that this is not the first lockdown and this is like history repeating itself. I, I think Mr Johnson's uh, timetable will be very, very cautious, much like the Singaporeans was uh, has been uh, after they managed to control COVID uh, domestically. Time and time and time again in the last year, we've seen uh, developed market countries particularly, and I'm pointing my finger squarely at Europe and also at the United States, uh, enact lockdowns and then withdraw them far too quickly. Everybody assumes they can go back to their uh, normal lives, social discipline, disappears out the window and again a month or two later we're back to a situation with uh, uh, COVID-19 even worse. I, I think those lessons have been taken on board this time and I, I, I do believe that Mr Johnson will be prepared to tolerate some more political pain uh, to have a very, very gradual and slow uh, reopening. What's, a, what's happening, what, what's a benefit this time is that the pace of vaccinations in uh, the United Kingdom is spectacular. Uh, you, you're a world leader in that front right behind uh, Israel and uh, the United Arab Emirates, and that does give them some breathing room. But I think uh, people in the UK need to temper their expectations as to what this reopening actually means. I assume that schools will go back to school, but I don't think normal life is returning uh, too quickly in the United Kingdom. That's right. Schools back in two weeks and some social distancing uh, measures relaxed but uh, the opening of retail and other businesses looks like some weeks off but uh, I, I expect the roadmap is going to show perhaps even targeted dates uh, you know if we get below 1,000 new cases a day then we'll be able to move to the next level who knows um, commodity prices Jeff uh, continue to climb yeah, and copper hit uh, $9,000 US an ounce today, um, an ounce, sorry, a ton today. 
uh, and I, I, I believe I last saw that around the year 2010. So commodity prices, particularly base metals, are on a tear. Um, and I think what we're seeing is a huge demand from Asia. But when we look at the manufacturing data, industrial production data from Europe, from America, from Asia, we're seeing those figures outperform despite COVID-19 lockdowns. Uh, and I think this is basically an emblematic of, uh, the, of, of the global recovery. Uh, manufacturing, uh, industrial production numbers have held up very, very well, even as services have suffered. Uh, and, and that's reflected in the increase in demand uh, for uh, commodities. The uh, worries about inflation is also probably bringing forward some industrial uh, buying of those commodities forward as well, because uh, commodities tend to move higher with inflation as well. So perhaps we're seeing uh, some front loading of uh, anticipated uh, consumption uh, by these industrial uh, sectors uh, in anticipation of uh, higher prices going forward. Now, last week, uh, you had a plethora of holidays in Asia and in the United States, but it's a full week this week. So let's look ahead to the next few days coming. What should we look out for? Well, it's a funny old week, Johnny, actually, because it's the last uh, week of the month. And so next week, we're going to start getting uh, a whole bunch of tier one data coming through for the first week of the month as we move into March. So actually, most of the data this week, although there are a lot of data points, is pretty much tier two data. The exceptions are the US GDP second reading, which is expected to show an outsized performance of about 4%. Uh, personal consumption numbers, which are watched very closely by the Federal Reserve, are also expected to rise. But really, the week's highlight for global markets will be the two-day testimony by uh, the Fed Chairman Jerome Powell on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C. The market will be hanging off every nuanced word that he makes over those 48 hours, looking for hints of when uh, easing may uh, may finish or whether the tapering will be brought forward, et cetera, et cetera. The reason being, of course, is U.S. bond rates have risen quite substantially over the recent uh, weeks, and now the markets are quite nervous about further rises in interest rates, and could that imperil uh, the uh, equity rally? I don't personally believe it will, but that's the sentiment in the market at the moment. And we've also got US business groups currently lobbying President Biden to avoid tax rises to fund these infrastructure projects. Yeah, I guess the, the key word there is lobbying. People are, or, or various sectors of the economy are clearly what to, great, to, to create the most advantageous uh, uh, situation for themselves. Uh, if President Biden manages to get a two to three trillion dollar green energy infrastructure package over the line with Congress later this year, I'm sure those very same uh, companies that are lobbying not to pay any more tax will be gladly filling their boots with uh, contracts uh, to, to to enact these uh, the, the the stimulus package uh, should it should it come to pass. So yeah, there's a bit of yin and yang in, in these sorts of things and a bit of horse trading. At the end of the day, the U.S. has been spending a lot more than it earns. Even during the Trump years, the Trump government was running trillion-dollar deficits pre-COVID-19. So these, this has to be paid for somewhere, and those taxes will inevitably have to rise. I do feel that the Democrats are probably a little bit less pro-business than uh, the Republicans in this respect. 
and that they will end up having to pay some more tax. So uh, I think uh, the jury is out on those lobbying efforts, but uh, I wish them all the best with that. Okay, Jeff Halley in Singapore. Thanks for joining us this morning. My pleasure. Take care.